Welcome to Movie Oubliette, the film review podcast for movies that most people have mercifully forgotten. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And in each episode, we drag a forsaken film out of the Oubliette, discuss it, and judge it to decide whether it should be set free <laughs> or whether it should be thrown back and consigned to oblivion forever. <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, Movie Oubliette. I'm Dan. I'm Conrad. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm I'm excited to do episode two. I'm excited. Very excited. Mm. I am a little tiny bit under the weather. Oh no. I've had like a headache for about a week. <laughs> That's and not good. I yeah. I don't know. It, it keep it comes and goes. So I never know whether it's serious or not. But now it's it's kind of been a week. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see what happens. <laughs> oh no, that's scary. I hope it wasn't as a result of watching a film. No, 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 I don't think so. You, you weren't shunted or something while you were asleep. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Uh, there's a few things I noticed from, uh, last episode. I say like a lot mm. and I say I use the word strange all the time. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Everything is strange. Um, so, so I've actually I've actually written uh, a list of synonyms for strange <laughs> that I can refer to uh, when when I run out of uh, my vocabulary. Okay. So yeah. Oh my! I I didn't look to see which which things I said too often. The only thing I noticed was that on your track, there's lots of occasions where you take an in, intake of breath. And then don't say anything because I'm still talking. <laughs> no, that's not. I think I'm just breathing. I think <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> sure? just staying alive. Um, okay, that's good. Okay. All right, so this is uh, the movie Oubliette. And uh, so every episode we, we take a, a film that has been forgotten or blanked because of its content or... I don't know, acting. <laughs> I, I guess we're, we're mainly mainly reviewing uh, f- sort of fantastical films, so mm. horror and sci-fi and fantasy and uh, all, the, all the good films, really. Yeah, the good stuff. A lot of them do come from the 80s, but <laughs> I don't think we're... We're not going to mainly do 80s films, but no. at the moment it seems 80s is, is the decade. It's a it's a rich decade. seam of cheese, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> I like how they just thought up crazy ideas and just did them and yeah. <laughs> didn't care what people thought. <laughs> yeah, um, there were. I don't think there was a single focus group in the eighties. No, no, I don't think they had test audiences or anything. They just <laughs> yeah. they just released the movies and yeah. So Dan, which film are you going to drag out of the oubliette today? Ah, well, I'll just go get it, shall I? Just a second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, careful of that trapdoor. Ah, I'm just over here by the trapdoor. Just a second. Oh, my goodness. Watch out. Uh, Troll 2's trying to escape. Get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I've got one. Okay. I am the chosen one. All right, I'm back. So. Okay. Movie I have picked today is uh, a movie called Demons, uh, otherwise known as Demone. 
um, mm. by the director Lamberto Bava, and mm. it's a 1985 horror, I guess you would call it. Yeah. I don't think this movie is really horror because, I mean, it does have scary music and everything, and it has gore and all that sort of stuff, but it's the the most of the music is is a lot of 80s heavy metal mm. like lots and lots of rollicking raucous distortion guitar and 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 screaming and stuff um which which completely changes the tone of the movie to be much more fun and um actiony and um uh, there are a lot less tense scenes and more just crazed Gory, yeah, <laughs> uh, fren- frenzies. I would, I guess, you would call them. Yeah, so it's more of an an action movie almost. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would th- I would say. Uh, so this is an Italian uh, production. Mm. So all the actors and actresses that I I I believe are all Italian, but it's it's filmed in Berlin, <laughs> and in saying that as well, it's all in English. I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. Yeah, the the lead actress Natasha Hovey, I think she's actually. It says here she was born in Beirut. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's an interesting international cast, but as with all Italian movies, it doesn't really matter because everybody just speaks their um, native language, and the whole movie is mm. dubbed anyway. Yeah. It's, so it's all dubbed over. Yeah. How does that work? Because in this movie, everyone everyone's Italian, mm. but they're obviously speaking English because. The dubbing matches their lips most of the time. Yeah, some of the bit players maybe not, but yeah, so some of the time, yeah, it was a bit dodgy with with that with the whole um, dubbing. Mm. But are the dubbed voices other actors? Yeah, because none of them have you know Italian accents or anything. They all sound. No, I think they are. I think it is. Yeah, I think there's a whole industry around. Um, dubbing people like particular voice actors become famous for dubbing a particular actor all the time yeah that makes sense with like with movies that aren't in that language but mm. this movie is in english and they are speaking english but then the dubbing actors get no credit yeah i don't all. i don't know it's very <laughs> that odd. must really suck <laughs> yeah i don't know it's yeah i don't know it's very odd okay so so the plot of the film is the main girl who I I have forgotten her name, um, <laughs> Cheryl <laughs> or Cheryl, Cheryl. So Cheryl gets uh, an invite to uh, a movie screening, mm. and so she she brings her friend along, and they they go along to the cinema, and there's a um, a multitude of colourful characters <laughs> in the cinema, uh, including a pimp and his. Uh, Working girls, indeed. Uh, a blind man, <laughs> yeah. And what's the relationship with between him and the woman that he's with? I have no. <laughs> Is it his daughter? I, I assumed it was his daughter. Okay. And then they watch this movie. <laughs> There's a mask in the movie that makes a person go go crazy. Mm. Um, and that same mask is, was also in in the foyer of of the movie theater, and and one of the audience members gets cut by the mask and and turns into a demon mm. and and then all sorts of fun rollicking <laughs> <laughs> events happen after that uh also in this movie theater so I, in a sense it's it's almost like a siege movie so they're trying to get out yeah almost 
yeah so they're trying to escape the movie theater um as as more and more people turn into zombies uh well yeah they're not zombies they're demons i guess they're not far off though are they yeah with extra <laughs> <laughs> extra extra features yeah um, um anything else you can elaborate about the plot no i think that's a good setup i think that that explains it pretty well Okay, so I guess we'll take a break now, and when we come back, we'll talk about the movie. Let's do it. So, I guess now we should talk about the movie. What did you think of the movie? I mean, you'd seen it before, I guess. Yes, so I'd seen it uh, maybe three or four years ago. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And it's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> uh, except, I guess, like we mentioned, there, there's a lot of 80s heavy metal uh, in the soundtrack um, and not a lot of tense, cliche horror music. Um, it's just very loud and abrasive um, heavy metal music. Yeah. Which made it really fun. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I I, I struggle with Italian films of this era and generally in terms of their approach to film scoring because there's this certain school of of thought in Italian movies whereby they just um, pretty much compose the soundtrack not in terms of actually writing score cues for scenes they just sort of um, what I would call needle drop they just so Ennio Morricone for example would just sort of Hmm read the script compose five pieces of music hand them over and they just sort of you know put them wherever they the director would put them wherever they mm. they want to and that and i think that's true of of um claudio simonetti mm. his his score for this i think pretty much consists of one track <laughs> mm. yeah um, which opens the movie the the opening track right and he incorporates yeah. hall of the mountain king by by green yeah from pierre Gint, uh, which i thought was kind of cute yeah which is an interesting reference to make of course because that's about uh, a character that goes into the hall of the mountain king mm. who's actually a gnome or mm. a troll or something like yeah. this i think he's a troll so he's going in there and he goes through lots of weird and fantastical adventures mm. and 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 is almost devoured i think and and has to escape so if you compare that to the setup of this movie which is a group of people going into a, a darkened auditorium mm. to watch a movie and they're beset by various monsters and then they have to try to escape i think that's a that's an interesting parallel that's a very very good point that i didn't think about <laughs> It's amazing. There's so many times where music is chosen or is is composed specifically for a film that I just don't understand <laughs> um, the correlation, and and then people will explain it to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes that's that's pretty black and white, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and well, hopefully so, that that's true. I mean, sometimes it's just you know, oh, I I like the sound of it. But yeah, true. <laughs> I think yeah. there was actually some thought put into this, which yeah. I thought was interesting. I mean, I th- I think there is, yeah, there was a little bit of thought, but I I think overall, I feel like this movie was made specifically for people that like gory horror movies. Yeah, um, and it was kind of even even more, um, sort of catered towards like heavy metal 
like metalheads and stuff that you know they they wear Slayer t-shirts and they've got <laughs> um, all sorts of like gory corpsey images on their shirts and and they love this sort of thing. So it's it's almost and and you know some of the characters in the movie were kind of punk punk rockers. Um, so uh, yeah, I feel like the demographic for this was very very honed in. It wasn't sort of like I I don't think a, a I'm a kind of older person at the time would really appreciate this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they knew their audience and they and they they really went um, full tilt for them, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention uh, because it's an Italian production, like you mentioned with with the score, Italian productions, especially with horror, always very low budget and they're cutting costs everywhere. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure the entire film was record was filmed without sound, and they added the sound all in post. I think. Yeah, and again, I think that ties in with what I said um, mentioned before, which is I think because they were they tended to be international productions and have a variety of people, some of whom could speak Italian, some of whom mm. couldn't. They would just replace all of the dialogue. Yeah afterwards and then just do an english version and an italian version mm. so a lot of the time with with um international movies i like to i i never watch a dubbed version i will always watch the version that's in the original mm-hmm. language me too, me too. because i you know i'm not bothered by reading subtitles no. and i actually want to hear the sound of the actors or actress's voice mm. it's uh, to me it's really important even if i even if the cultural differences mean that the inflections are, are different mm. So like a Japanese movie, the the vocal inflections are entirely different. Mm-hmm. You get to know what they are. Yeah. And and you, yeah, it, it's it's just intrinsic to enjoying the movie mm. for me. But when you get to an Italian mo- a production like this, it's like there was no original no, soundtrack. No, there wasn't. <laughs> so there's no point you just watch the English version because there there really isn't a definitive version of this movie in terms mm. of audio. Well, I think I think this is the definitive version because because they're speaking in English. Like you mm. compare it to other other Italian kind of like giallo movies where they're speaking in the actual naked tongue, uh, naked in their, na- <laughs> <laughs> in their native tongue, which would be Italian, uh, let's say. Um, and when it's dubbed over in English, it's it's all wrong because nothing matches up. No. But with this film. It does match up. I mean, most of the time it matches up. A lot of the time, but not always. Not all. <laughs> there were a few moments where the actor would was clearly not speaking, but words were coming, <laughs> words were being heard. But yeah, I mean, it's it's all about cutting costs because yeah, by not worrying about sound on location, you can get away with so much stuff. You know, you can have the director verbalizing exactly what the actor is supposed to be doing mm. and it doesn't matter because all of that stuff is going to be replaced anyway. The sound design, I think it has to be said, is uniformly pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it, there were there were so many moments like even at the the opening scene where she's she's in the train station and the guy with the mask is is following her. There's no sound at all. No. Like I know it's a horror movie, but there's actually no sound. <laughs> Like you can hear an odd footstep, but there's nothing else at all, and it's it's quite unsettling to watch a movie where there's no sound. And I don't think it's by design. But you also have to remember that you know this is back 
during analog times. So mm. sound design wasn't an easy feat. Um, you had to like literally cut and tape together <laughs> bits of analog tape. Bits um, of magnetic tape. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one thing also from last week, uh, how you you were going on about looping, mm. uh, and I'd never heard that term before because no. I'm, I'm I'm so used to ADR or um, dubbing. Um, so looping, I looked it up, is is referring to back with with analog equipment. They would get the video tape, and they would loop that over mm. and over, and then the person would record the ADR over it. Um, and that's why it's called looping, because ah, they would loop it over and over and they will just record take after take. Keep going until they yeah. got the synchronization um, right, yeah. So that's 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 why it's called looping, and that's why I, I'd never heard of it. Um, another thing, this, this is completely separate from everything, um, <laughs> on, on set, you know how a director will be a camera, and then the cameraman will be rolling, and then he would say sound, and then the sound guy would say speed. Mm. And I always was like, why would you say speed? I don't understand why you would say speed. <laughs> and I looked it up because I am a sound person and I have I have worked on a few short, short films on set. Um, I looked it up and back in the old days with audio equipment, um, because they were recording to tape, mm. they had to wait. When they pushed record, they had to wait for the tape to get up to speed <laughs> before it would actually record prop like the normal speed. So that's why they would say speed. Okay, back to the movie. Back to the yes. movie, but the, the, the sound design in this one is, yeah, it's ropey. I mean, it shows its budget, I think. Mm, it does, it does. A lot of parts where the ADR, the acting, uh, was horrendous, <laughs> to put it lightly. Uh, there were many, many scenes that, that remind me of The Room. I don't know whether you've watched The Room, which is it's considered one of the worst movies ever made. Indeed, yeah. No, I uh, haven't. I've seen Room, which I thought was a very good movie, but I haven't seen no, The no, Room. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, there are many scenes in Demons which remind me of, of The Room, just like a lot of shouting <laughs> for no apparent reason. Um, well, this is the thing with Italian horror movies of this era that a lot of it, uh, well, a lot of movies in, made in Italy in, in this in this period were uh, ripoffs of American movies, or they would pretend mm. to be sequels to uh, popular mm. American movies, and it's very difficult to argue that they're actually bringing anything to the table other than just sort of a. a a heightened sense of drama, the sort of, um, I don't know, is it culturally stereotypical to say the operatic sort of mm. uh, hysteria that they, they add to the proceedings? And, and sometimes the combination, I mean, it has to be said, the acting in this thing is terrible. <laughs> and somehow the combination of really bad physical acting, overacting, and it being looped after the fact with really bad mm -hmm. hysterical looping, and it mm -hmm. not matching the lips very well. It's it's mm -hmm. it gets really ridiculous. And sometimes they say the most stupid things. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. So like after the sort of first wave of attacks and everybody's running out of the theater and and trying to escape and they suddenly discover that when they try to open the doors, it's mm. a solid brick wall behind there and they're trapped mm. somehow. Mm -hmm. Um mm. <laughs> George 
who is uh, one of the two main male characters that um, Cheryl and her friend Kathy meet up with when they when they arrive mm-hmm. at the cinema after a touching meet cute scene over by the vending machine where George saves the day and rescues her can of drink. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But George suddenly shouts, there has to be an explanation. (laughs) I I thought that was one of the best lines. (laughs) Because that's just so stupid. You would really really shout that when you're trying desperately to escape a perilous, (laughs) life-threatening, supernatural situation, wouldn't you? I, I feel like I want to shout that. In real life, <laughs> for any any perplexing scene, any uh, situation that I'm in, I'm just going to shout, but there has to be an explanation. <laughs> I'm going to try it at my next meeting. Oh, that would be great. And one of my other, <laughs> one of my other favourite ones is, is a scene where there's actually a really good bit of misdirection in the movie. So they're, they're, I think they're all up on the balcony because it's a beautiful theatre. It's a two-level, mm. one of the really old-fashioned auditoriums that have like a balcony, a second layer. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful old old building and they're up on the balcony. Yeah. They've found a body, you know, that of, of a person who's been attacked and they're arguing about, because they think it's going to turn and get up and start attacking them as well. So they're mm-hmm. arguing about throwing this body over the balcony down into the auditorium below. Mm-hmm. And it's a good bit of misdirection because you're so sort of, well... <laughs> as much as you can be caught up in the drama of that particular issue and people arguing with each other, that when some, uh, you know, another demon launches up from over from the balcony and, and attacks them, it's actually a surprise. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really well-engineered gag. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the characters suddenly shouts, oh my God, my husband! It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, okay, you're trying, what are you trying to remind the audience who this guy is? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't shout that. It's like, ooh, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I did find the characters just... I just didn't understand why they just would follow orders. Like, let's rip out all the chairs and barricade the door. Like, these are <laughs> bolted down, like, <laughs> movie chairs. How is, how is that a very... I don't know. It, it didn't cause them too much difficulty, though, did it? I mean, they were tearing those chairs up whole rows. They were. Yeah. They really were. So apparently the, the set of this movie, um, it, it was an actual abandoned theatre. Yeah. So they could just do whatever they wanted inside. Yeah, it's a nightclub um, now, isn't it? Well, so the in, interior shots are, are abandoned the theatre and the exterior shots were of uh, the Goya Theatre, which is in... Berlin oh, okay. somewhere, um, which I'm I'm still not sure what it is now because I've read many different sources have cited different things. Mm. So one said it's a bank yeah. now, one says it's still a theatre, and another says it's they have a lot of horror conventions there. Oh right, okay. Um, because of this movie, yeah. Okay, but I don't know which one is correct. Okay, so. If anyone out there could tell us, yeah. that would be great. Yep. <laughs> Let us know. Movie Oubliette on Twitter. I'm also uh, a little bit gutted because I was in Berlin last year and I didn't know that theatre was in Berlin. Ah. So uh, I didn't go see it because it's, it's still there. <sighs> yeah. Next time. I mean, we could talk about why, why is it set in Berlin. Um, 
And as far as I can tell, because I thought, wow, you know, because this is 85, 84, 85. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, this is the, obviously the wall is still there. Yeah, that's true. Is the movie sort of a comment on the tensions in the Cold War and demons coming out of the other side? And is, is that what it's trying to pull on? And then I listened to the commentary and the director just said, oh, I just liked it. just liked berlin fancied a holiday great yeah okay fine so yeah i mean it's a great city it Uh, looks beautiful it's very kind of urban but i think also there there are a lot of abandoned buildings Mm. there as well especially in the 80s so i think maybe going back to the whole cheap aspect yeah (laughs) i think it was just a cheap option (laughs) Yeah, the wall was very much still there and stayed there until the mid-90s when David Hasselhoff mm. tore it down, didn't he? Didn't he sing a song and, that, yeah. and that, that was the end of the Cold War? Sure. Yeah, David Hasselhoff. The Hoff fixes everything. Yeah, don't mess with the Hoff. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that it's set in Berlin, they never actually say, oh, we're in Berlin or... No. And everyone speaks English. Yeah. Even And you can tell it's Berlin because everything's in German mm-hmm. and the train stations she's in, it, everything's in German. But they, they never reference it at all and they never kind of, yeah, make it obvious that it's set in Berlin. No, they don't. And it's, it is a missed opportunity, certainly in terms of um, – trying to you know bring some mm. meaning to the film yeah i don't know mm-hmm. i mean i was that was one thing that i was trying to get a sense of us what this film is sort of about because there there isn't a plot really no there's no characterization no there's very little logic the mm. the only hint of there being some sort of a drama is 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 with Liz and Werner. So you have Werner, the the blind guy mm. and Liz who's sort of looking out for him and describing the movie that they're watching mm-hmm to him so she's basically the the audio description service (laughs) and but but she she's a bit derelict in her duties because she sneaks off after sort of the first 10 minutes to make out with some guy who shows up yeah i know i know was it pre-arranged or did she just like him (laughs) i think i think it was pre-arranged surely i mean they do this every week i yeah i i okay yeah i don't (laughs) I think she would just randomly hook up with a guy that just happened to sit next to her. <laughs> um, she's just that um, burdened by her her father, her blind father, that she just hooks up with every guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think that's that's plausible. Um, I mean, that's but that was supposed to be a joke, right? The fact that a blind guy is is at a movie screening. Yeah, but it dates the movie somewhat because I mean, my local cinema shows films with audio description service mm. all the time yeah. and it's yeah, commonplace yeah. now uh what, what do you think about the characters i mean they're very stereotyped yeah well i mean it's broad brush strokes isn't it really you get no sense of who cheryl is the main character kathy doesn't like horror movies that's about the only thing you mm-hmm. learn about her before she succumbs spoilers and then you've got mm-hmm. george and ken <laughs> Ken with the cheekbones, who are just there yeah. and see these two young ladies mm. and take a shine to them. And because you're saying about Liz, we just wouldn't hook up with the random guy that's in the theatre. Mm. But I mean, Kathy and Cheryl don't seem to have a problem with George and Ken 
sitting either side of them yeah. and holding their hands and clutching them as the movie begins and, mm, and then spending yeah. the rest of the movie with them trying to escape almost as though they're they've paired off and they're two couples mm. which would you yeah, do yeah, that yeah. or would you just go with your friend and leave these two guys i don't it just uh, i don't know and then you've got you know various other people you've got the old married couple the it, that's my mm. husband <laughs> and the only interesting bit of characterization you get with them is on their way in she's complaining about the fact that they're going here because she says it's our anniversary mm. and he says well i'm taking you to a show <laughs> thought, well, a free show and it's a horror movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> how romantic <laughs> I quite like George's character though because you know he he almost became like a Rambo um, figure. Oh God, yeah, the motorcycle scene, but- the motorcycle, <laughs> and and the helicopter, and he had his 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 cut off sleeves, and he was glistening, and ah, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I don't know. I I didn't expect it. I I didn't expect him to be so heroic towards the end. So it was kind of a nice no, change of space, a uh, change of of pace from just everyone screaming and running in different directions. Um, yeah, I guess so. The scene where where they they're banging on the wall to get attention from outside was just ludicrous like what are they doing they're just they're just banging on a wall of chairs like oh god yeah and eventually they do break through a wall and explore another strange um concrete pillared location Mm. and one of my favorite moments is they they walk into one room and george says nothing doing in there and then he walks into another room and there's uh, no exits. And then they go into a third one, even though it also has no exits. And the women of the group uh, pat ineffectually against the brick walls for apparently no reason, even though they, they mm. I don't know, are they expecting that it might just collapse with a bit of patting? Um uh, and then they become hysterical yeah. because some, I think, because there's a noise on the soundtrack and something is happening to them. And then there's a hard cut mm. and we're back in the auditorium again and they're all having a smoke as though that was some sort of sexual experience or something. <laughs> they're all just lounging around having a yeah. bag. <laughs> mm. It was it was a strange scene in the, in that room of walls, right? Because because all the girls just suddenly simultaneously just went hysterical. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was going to end up in, you know, there were, it was going to lead to something, but it, it just didn't. It no, just, no. Hard, uh, hard cut back and, to the auditorium and they're having a fag. Yeah. They, I mean, they could have made that room so much more interesting as well. I mean, it's, it was just a, a brick room yeah. with walls. Um, They could have, I don't know, they could have made it a lot more bizarre, uh, or something a little more surreal, but and you think you feel as though this is like the labyrinth, and it's just sort of spinning out of nowhere, and it's this strange underworld that they've ventured mm. into—that's the demon world or something. But they just sort of pat on the walls, have hysterics, and then go back. Yeah, I, I thought the scene where they they break into the projection room was <laughs> another just almost pointless scene. <laughs> I mean, just just the idea that that the pimp character thought. Hey, it's caused by the projection. Let's stop the movie. Like, I mean, that's that's a very far fetched uh, theory of what why people are being turned to demons. But I mean, I guess it's it's a horror movie. 
yeah, so I, I, I kind of feel that a lot of, a huge majority of the film was just a bunch of people running around breaking things and smashing <laughs> things and ripping things off the wall and um, tipping things over. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's strange that they even bother with the automated projector, like you say, because they think that this is going to stop the demon outbreak or yeah. something. Um, and then when they find that the projector's automated, somebody says that means nobody's ever been in here. And I think, <laughs> no. I what did you want? What did you expect to find a guy manually feeding it through? <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. But it does mm. lead to one moment that I think is interesting. And it's the, it's the only thing that I found with my my textual analysis head on that I found interesting about the film is all the interplay between the movie itself and the movie that they're watching. Mm, and there yeah. are a few nice parallels there. I mean, in that case, when they do break the projector, mm. what appears on the screen is is obviously what would appear if the if the first you know, reel ran out, which it just says end of first half. Hmm. And it's literally at the halfway point oh, during okay. the movie, wow. which is quite funny. And I mean, there are other moments in the film. I mean, there are parallels. I mean, the film proper opens with a pair of headlights coming towards the camera out mm. of the darkness and it turns out to be the train the movie they're watching in the theater two lights coming out of the darkness like demon eyes oh. and it's two motorcycles right um both films have two couples mm -hmm. and and there's there's a wonderful scene where the the usher the usherette yes um the, the one the that was lady. dressed like an elf some reason. Yeah, she's well, she's a redhead so I guess green is a good color for her, but I mean she's a startling-looking um actress. Mm. But she's she's wondering I thought she was in on the whole thing, but she so ends up I. being a, a yeah. victim just like everybody else. Mm. But there's a, a lovely scene where she's sort of stalking the aisles with <laughs> yeah. a torch and as she she turns she catches um one of the uh, working girls smoking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as she as she sort of turns around and sweeps past the camera with her torch and the torch beam goes past, you get a reverse shot of the movie they're watching and a beam of light goes across this sort of gothic mansion that the characters in that are approaching. Mm. But it turns out to be the headlight from one of the motorcycles. Mm. So, But it's still, it's a sort of, it's a, I, I thought it was a, a, you know, a remarkably deft bit of interplay and... Mm. and showed a level of craft that I think the rest of the film sort of <laughs> lacked, to mm. be honest. Uh, another, another thing to, uh, to add to that that I didn't... Because I didn't notice these things, but another thing that also has a uh, uh, correlation with the movie and the movie mm. that they're watching um, is the actor that plays the guy in the mask... Oh, right, yeah. ...is also the same actor that gets... Uh, that puts the mask on in the movie... Oh, I see. So he could be a survivor of the movie. <laughs> of the fictional movie. Of the uh, fictional movie who's now in the movie, yeah. inviting people to his yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> if you ever watch the sequel, Demons 2, it, it continues that even more. Um, okay. And it gets very meta um, for the right. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll drag that out of the oubliette mm. at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are other ones as well, like the... Um, there is a scene where one of the other working girls, after she's been attacked by the first one, whose mm. name is Rosemary, who's the first to turn into a demon. Yeah. She's actually behind the cinema screen and she she erupts through it 
at a point when a knife goes through some tent fabric mm. in the movie. A woman yep. is being attacked, and too, a knife yeah. goes through some fabric, and the the, the screen actually tears, and and yep. uh, this this girl falls through it, which apparently is is in Scream Two. I haven't seen Scream Two for a, a while, oh, but apparently it happens. It is in Scream Two. Yeah. Oh, I wonder so if they're referencing this, this movie. Yeah, I don't know whether they whether they are consciously or if they just sort of happened on the same idea separately. But yeah. I mean, again, in that movie, they're watching a, a fictional version of Scream One. That's so, true. <laughs> so there's there is a sort of um, yeah, it's very it's all very meta. But oh, wow. the, I mean, the, the interplay between the, the movie and the reality all comes to an end at that point where it says end of first half when they break the projectors. And, and then all of a sudden there's this hard cut to a bunch of punks in a stolen car listening to uh, yeah. listening to We Close Our Eyes by Go West. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just cruising Berlin at night. And I thought, who are these people? <laughs> Why are we here? What's happening? Yeah. Why are punks listening to Go West, which is the most middle-of-the-road American synth rock that I can mm. imagine. I, I thought I thought the introduction of the punks was they didn't need to have that much sort mm. of screen time because they weren't even they weren't even that uh, important to the story. Even when they did, they so they ended up breaking into the cinema. Well, not really breaking, yeah, entering to escape the cinema. The police, yeah. But then they don't really change anything. No, if you took the punks out of the movie. It wouldn't have changed the movie at all. Except it would have been 20 minutes short. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I thought mean, they were going to survive a bit longer or help out the main characters, but but they didn't. They just no. ended up turning into demons. No. Structurally, it's weird. I mean, it gives us some great moments, like um, moments that had to be trimmed in the UK when it was first released on video because... Yeah, seeing somebody scraping cocaine off of a woman's nipple with a razor blade mm. apparently proved a little <laughs> bit strong for the UK censor back yeah. in the uh, back back in the eighties during the whole video nasties mm. uh, scare. Was it was it a part of the video nasties? Do you know? It, it very well could have been. Mm. I think that tended to be things more like cannibal holocaust. And, yeah, yeah. And certainly the Evil Dead, although. They missed a trick there because Evil Dead isn't really all that serious. Mm, but mm. Um, yeah, it was caught up in that, and it certainly was cut. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't see a lot of that stuff. And it, I'm just imagining making a movie now where you have somebody snorting cocaine out of a Coca Cola can with a straw. Yeah, I thought <laughs> and, that that scene was genius, though. I mean, come on, it's <laughs> knocking, the snorting coke out of out of a Coke can. That's amazing. Well, now you have to clear all of your product placements. I just cannot see Coca-Cola signing off on this. I know. But, I mean, the only beverage they seem to drink in the entire movie is Coca-Cola. So, I don't know. <laughs> Are you suggesting it may actually be a sponsorship <laughs> no, for the budget? I, I don't My know. My goodness. I don't know. It could have been. Maybe they were, I mean, they maybe, you know, the exec was coked up when he signed off on it. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, it was the 80s. To do with uh, the release of the movie, uh, I read that the movie wasn't released in Germany <laughs> for some reason. Uh, really? Even though it was filmed, filmed in Germany. Filmed there and not um, released. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't released until they released Demons 2. And so um, what's really confusing is they released Demons 2 in Germany as Demons 1. 
and then they re-release Demons 1 as Demons 2. (laughs) 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 I don't know why they did that, but... Weird. Um, It must have confused the hell out of them. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of like 80s, 70s, 80s, like especially Italian um, horror films, they had so many titles um, Mm. depending on what country they were released in. So it gets very, very confusing because often some of the titles weren't the same title as other movies. Yeah. So like it gets very confusing with the zombie movies from the 70s and 80s because they all have very similar or, or exactly the same titles. Yeah, and as well as that, because of this practice of doing unofficial sequels um, to American movies and even their own movies, mm. I think there are something like three or four different films that could be considered to be Demons 3. Yeah, yeah. But none of them are official sequels mm. or maybe they were just marketed as that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it gets very confusing. Mm, mm. As does this movie in its final act. I don't know if we want to talk about that because not only do we get confused in the midsection when we suddenly hard cut to some people listening to Go West and snorting cocaine by the can load, mm. when we cut back to the the action proper, the, it suddenly turns into sort of like an, a, an apocalyptic epic mm. or what it, it's trying to be one on a very slim budget i mean mm. what did you think of that so are you talking about when when spoiler spoiler alert uh when they escape the movie theater well even before that i mean why maybe you can explain this to me why does a helicopter fall <laughs> through the ceiling yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, all of this, of course, is after George, as you say, has become this torn shirt hero mm. um, driving around the movie theatre on, on a motorcycle. On a motorbike wielding a sword. <laughs> wielding a samurai sword, which was part of a display in the foyer. And I have no idea what the hell that display was supposed to be or why you would have a motorbike that was yeah. gassed up. I, I, feel, I feel like they had a limited amount of props and they just had to shoehorn them in there like they were like we've got a motorbike we've got a sword (laughs) sword what can we do (laughs) we've got a helicopter how can we use this come on guys think yeah but i mean that in itself how did they get the wreckage of a helicopter into the auditorium maybe it's a different location god Mm. only knows but i mean that so a helicopter crashes through the ceiling and that means that they can escape through a hole in the ceiling because luckily the helicopter has a rocket-fired grappling hook. I, yeah, I thought that was really And convenient. George knows how to use it. I know. Is, I was maybe like, that's what he is in his spare I was time. very impressed. You know, that's what that's why I was very <laughs> impressed by his character. You know, he suddenly became this this muscled up um hero. He's he's wielding a sword, he's working a, a rope pulley thing <laughs> contraption. Um I, I I thought it was like, I was pretty amazed by his his abilities. Yeah. One character that I was a bit disappointed about was uh, the guy in the mask. You know, he he, he was so intriguing, had so much mystery uh, around him, but then he just turns out to be a kind of a, just a a kind of a, a psychopath, but with no motivations. No. You know, I didn't I and and also very easily killed 
as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, such yeah, an he just sort of yeah, he sort of bent over and let them do this ridiculously complicated thing involving a pipe and, <laughs> and sort of uh, levering him down onto an exposed pipe that they could skewer mm. him on. I, yeah, but he was very patient, waiting for them while they got it set up, rather than them just clubbing him with it, which yeah, would have been I know, easy. I know, I know, um, and and it was very drawn out, I guess to to build tension, but it just made it look a little bit awkward. Yeah. So that's what happens to them on the roof and then they escape into the world and and the world, it seems, has been overrun by demons. It's happening Mm. everywhere and they end up in a a jeep uh, trying to get away from the city Mm. to find somewhere to live with... A family? Are they a family of people? I think they are. Yeah. Who are sort of gunning people down as they drive <laughs> through know. Berlin in a, a jeep. A little like 10 year old just like blowing yeah. people away with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, Kurt and his father tells him, good shot. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and June seems to shoot Mick Jagger. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, yes. The guy that she shoots just looked, it just looked like they'd accidentally driven past the dancing in the street video shoot and <laughs> <That's so laughs> shot funny. Mick Jagger. I don't know. That yeah. was just something that it struck me as funny. Mm, mm. And and then the final scene. The uh, final, yeah, spoiler alert, very awkward false ending, mm. which uh, I guess false endings on movies are very popular, the whole sort of send them out with one last jump. Last scare, jump scare. Yeah. I mean, I, I recently watched... Uh, Friday the 13th. And so now I just expect all movies we watch to have the final <laughs> jump scare. Yeah. And and this this movie doesn't really peddle in jump scares a lot. I mean, there's the moment I mentioned before with, uh, that's my husband, mm. um, lurching at them over the balcony that works because you're misdirected before it happens. But a lot of the time you spend staring at the back of people's heads in suspense, waiting for them to turn around with demon makeup on. Mm. I know. I, I, I feel like that that's their... It was like their one trick pony that they just continuously used over and over and over. It's like, hang on, wait a second. Not not enough makeup on yet. Just a second. Wait for it. (laughs) Wait for it. (laughs) Wait, Kathy's going to turn around again. Will she have more than the contact lenses in when she turns back this time? Yeah, and it was it just robbed the whole thing of any any tension, really. Mm. I'm, Mm. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I, I see this more of an action adventure movie because I didn't feel tense whatsoever in no. the entirety of the movie, and, but I just felt I, I it just felt fun all the time. I just okay. felt like I was just watching fun fun scenes where people's hair was getting ripped out or their necks <laughs> were getting, you know, <laughs> torn open. But it was fun. <laughs> I don't know. It made it made blood fun. But I mean, it, there there was a lot of liquid, but it wasn't mm. all blood. There was a lot of no, lots lots of green and lots of green. Yeah, lots of green slime and a lot of. In the indiscriminate in the script liquid as well. There's there's one scene where one of the demons falls on um the girl one of the girls with the curly hair, 
and and he just he just liquefies. It's almost like there's this a waterfall of just liquid just pouring out of his body. Yeah. Um. And it really didn't. I I I think they just wanted to do that effect without having any explanation whatsoever. No. And and surprisingly, her blouse is not all that dirty. About a, a, one shot later, which is really <laughs> odd because she was drenched in the stuff when it happened. Now it's time for random trivia. Okay, Dan, what is your random trivia moment for this film? Wow, my random trivia moment, uh, according to very reliable sources, hopefully. Wikipedia. <laughs> um, is so the Metropole Cinema is is where it where it uh, the movie is set fictionally. Um, that Metropole Cinema can can be seen in the video game Silent Hill, um, ah. and it's ex- it's pretty much exactly the same building front, and even the the lettering of the Metropole is, is exactly the same. Ah, oh, cool. Obviously yeah. a reference. But I don't play video games, so I would not know that without the internet. <laughs> Me neither. Everybody else is probably there saying, yeah, duh. <laughs> That's a great trivia moment. Oh, one thing uh, we should mention is one of the co-writers mm. uh, is Dario Argento. Dario Argento. And uh, did you figure out which one of the cast is his daughter? It's or one a, of his daughters? It's, uh, it's a girl that had the liquefied. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's not, he always gives his, his kids the best roles. <laughs> I think Asia Argento gets a rough ride in his movies too. I, I've never seen her. So this this actress um, F- Fiore Argento. Fiore, yeah. Um, sure I've never, that. I've never seen her in a movie before. One or any one of uh, Dario Argento's movies, but I've seen Asia yeah. Argento in a bunch of stuff, yeah. and I can't stand her to be honest. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, she overacts all the time, and it's yeah, it's it's really hard. Yeah, to sit through. But I have to say, Dario Argento is. Dario Argento is very hit, hit and miss for me. Um, like his, his early stuff, I really love, mm. but anything kind of post eighties, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I mean even even the stuff, even the eighties stuff, I have trouble with it. Mm. To be honest, I, I don't I don't tend to find it very enjoyable. Mm. But I appreciate some of the set pieces, but to me, they come off as uh, over engineered Hitchcock or De Palma. Mm. Yeah. And it never seems to have a point other than the spectacle of it. Whereas in Hitchcock and De Palma, there is a point usually. Mm, yeah, 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 sure. But I'm not sure whether I detect any Argento in this particularly. No, it didn't have the, the, the signature kind of scenes that he always has. No, I mean, the one scene that did look a little bit Argento-ish, if that's a word, <laughs> was the scene with the usher walking through the aisles because there is quite a nice tracking shot across mm. a group okay. of our main characters and the focal point is the the torch. And I can imagine that sort of tracking shot following the torch through the aisles being a knife in an Argento movie that mm, you would be seeing this thing moving through. But um, 
I mean, there are some nice shots in the movie. I mean, I thought sort of the shot looking up at the theatre as the girls are about to enter it, seemingly in the middle of the night, even though they just say, are you sure you want to cut class? And I'm thinking, <laughs> what what school are you going to? <laughs> night school, obviously. Yeah. I, I, I was actually really impressed by the cinematography. Like, I thought visually it looked great. Like really good, like especially some of the lighting effects that they used. Yeah. Um. There's that one scene where where the demons are all like running up the stairs, I think. Yeah. And and it's all backlit, and their shadows are on the ceiling. Mm. Um. And then they've got glowing eyes. Like I thought that scene looked amazing. Yeah, the glowing eyes effect is really good. I quite like that, and it's probably the simplest one in the whole movie, mm. but it's really effective. Yeah. yeah, so you've got them approaching up this uh, this tunnel emerging from the theater and then mm. there's shadows converging on the on the ceiling and it's yeah, it's it's pretty effective that shot. Yeah. I mean, I even found some of the kind of more mundane shots really well composed and and very well lit. Like even some of the interior shots of the punks in the car, like it looked great mm. like it looked like it could be a modern film mm. comparing to society that we we did uh last mm. episode like that was a very flat dull yeah um kind of look to it whereas this was a lot more striking a lot more they they used light and shadow a lot better yeah i thought it was very very well put together visually yeah they're actually telling a story visually a lot more than they did in society for sure oh obviously it's a it's a bit of a shame that everything else was very <laughs> secondary um <laughs> or, or if if not even important whatsoever in terms of sound acting <laughs> plot character development yeah logic yeah. Yeah. Pacing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would definitely say that the standout aspects of the film were the cinematography and the the makeup effects and the, all the special effects that they used were just really fantastic. Yeah, I would agree with that. Coming to you live from the Movie Oubliette Theatre, it's the prestigious Mobley Awards. Okay, so it's time for the Moobly Awards, where we give awards for some of our favourite categories for this type of movie. As always, we kick off with favourite quote. Dan, what was your favourite quote? Uh, my favourite quote, sorry, I'm just uh, referencing my notes here. Um, I, I did really like There Has To Be An Explanation. That was very great, very good. <laughs> but there's also another scene uh, where, where I think it's the second girl is getting turned into... Uh, a demon behind the screen and she's screaming um, and she's trying to get through and there's also more screaming from the actual movie that they're watching and then uh, I think it's Cheryl says oh the screaming it's real I think there's screaming coming from the, behind the screen and then I think George says come on it's a Dolby system <laughs> I thought that was just great Oh, that is good. Because, I mean, Dolby systems are that good. It just sounds so real. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, especially in 1985. <laughs> um, so my favourite would be um, in the movie, of the movie, where they they discover the, the crypt of Nostradamus and they discover a book inside it and they and they pull it out and they find the mask as well. Mm. And the, the guy says, whoever wears the mask becomes a demon. And the other guy says, how do you know that? And he says, because it says, whoever wears the mask becomes a demon. 
<laughs> so good. <laughs> Which I think is just great. I don't know if the movie's intentionally supposed to be crap, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movie within a movie. Mm. So most eighties moment. Uh, I mean, having eighties heavy metal throughout the whole movie felt very eighties. Yeah, I can't really pick it because because it was set in Berlin and it was an Italian production. It wasn't as you know stereotyped American eighties. Mm. So. How about, what what do you think? Well, I thought perhaps the moment where um, one of them is turning into a demon and Tony says, we got to get out of here, the the pimp. Yeah. Um, But nobody actually goes anywhere. And I think this is a uniquely 80s thing that while somebody's going through an elaborate multi-stage makeup transformation, Hmm. everybody else has to stand and watch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they've spent a lot of money on that effect. Yeah. So they can't just run away from it or chop her head off or something. Yeah. They've got to stand and watch every single step of this transformation, mm. just like Michael Jackson's Thriller music video where that woman just stands there and watches Michael Jackson turn into a werewolf mm-hmm. for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. yeah. rather than getting a head start. Yeah. So I think that's a uniquely 80s phenomenon. <laughs> who who do you have as, as best hair? Best hair? I was going to say the Usher because I think she's got an amazing head of hair. Mm. I mean, this she's got this amazing 80s perm. It's very curly. And still, it's sort of almost down to her bum. So mm. it's, you just think, how long is this hair when it's straight? Mm, true, right. What did you think? I really liked the, uh, the young punk girl with her <laughs> really teased... Uh, it's like almost... Almost an afro, but almost a mohawk at the same time. Um, with her blonde, <laughs> yeah. punk, crazy waterfall. Um, I thought that was great. Yeah, that's pretty 80s. Uh, favorite scene? I really liked because it was just sheer stupidity. Um, the helicopter scene where, where they turn it on to to <laughs> fight the demons but the propellers going at about it's rotating so slowly that no one could possibly get hurt from it and it and it only rotates like maybe two times just enough to hit two demons in the face and yeah it was just a very elaborate scene that ended up very underwhelming um for for a bunch of gore effects <laughs> yeah i really liked it Oh, I think I think mine was was probably the the motorcycle and the the samurai sword. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just crank up the heavy metal track and just have three three minutes of him driving up and down, chopping at people. Yeah, I I was um I was shazamming all the music because I uh, a lot of it apparently was was quite underground bands. Uh, oh. I mean, not Billy Idol, obviously. Um, Go but west, some, but <laughs> yeah, but the sword scene uh, was was by uh, the song was by a band called Accept, and mm. the name of the song was Fast as a Shark. <laughs> so I thought that was quite cool. <laughs> that is quite apt. Okay, um, most cliched horror moment. Um, transformation, uh, transformation yeah. scene, especially the 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 first really good one mm. where you could see her teeth growing that mm. was amazing 
um, and her yeah. nails growing. Like it's, it's very similar to all those werewolf movies that came out in the eighties as well, which I haven't yeah. seen any of, um, yeah. but I know about them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I love transformation scenes. They're amazing, especially in the eighties because everything was like practical effects. So uh, yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. Which is why everybody has to stop and watch them. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, I would agree. And what would your favorite special effect be? Uh, I, I have to say the transformation scene was was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. There was another scene. Oh, when <laughs> when the demon comes out of her back. Yeah, I was going to say that too. The, that was the demon emerging from Kathy's back is Completely crazy. unexplained, unexpected, and amazing at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it's pretty out there isn't yeah. it uh, remind like I had the same I remember when I first watched that movie I had the same reaction as when I watched Society on, on, for the shunting scene like my <laughs> yeah. mouth was just wide open because I was <laughs> shocked at what I was witnessing yeah it's pretty incredible it reminds me very much of, of the evil dead I don't know whether that was a, an influence but it mm. does remind me uh, favorite sound effect uh, all the sounds were pretty pretty bad <laughs> they were I have a nomination for worst sound effect yeah again. I, I hated I in terms of worst sound effect I hated the motorbike it was <laughs> <laughs> it was so irritating and really loud and, and piercing and 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 yeah. I think my my favorite worst sound effect would have to be the approaching helicopter, which sounded like the sound effects you would get on a Casio home keyboard around about the the, the time. It was just a white noise effect going mm. up and down, and then the the because I actually literally thought, "Wow, what's coming?" Because this is mm. a strange sound, but it was a helicopter, and we were supposed to believe that was the noise it was making. And star rating for fake blood. Uh, I don't, there was so much liquid like some some of it there wasn't a lot of fake blood per se but there was a lot of like demon blood i guess yeah and it was just it wasn't a very bloody movie yeah there were lots of other colored liquids being Mm. projected the only bloody scene i can think of is a scene where one of the girls is is trying to escape to to a room that goes nowhere anyway and the demon grabs her hair and rips her hair off. <laughs> and that's the only bloody scene I can actually think of that actually has red blood. Yeah, and maybe the scene where the aforementioned razor blade cocaine nipple scene oh, where yeah. the punk actually cut, cuts her boob. Yeah. Um, but it's not very convincing at all. No, it has to be no, said. no, not at no. all. So that's, that's, not, that's not great. And that is the Mooblies. Okay, one more thing I, I thought was kind of funny. You know how the whole thing about Chick... Is, is it called Chekhov's gun? Chekhov's rifle? Oh, the Hitchcock thing where if there's a gun in the room, it has to go off at some point. I felt that there were a few items, you know, the bike and the sword, and then yeah. it's like, oh, of course, it gets used. And also the vending machine as well. Um, yes. It's, it's like they had a very limited amount of props. And they had to really, <laughs> you know, make it obvious that they're gonna gonna be used, and then they were used. Um, that's the only yeah. thing I had to say. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't get used is the mask. I thought there would be some whole 
how to reverse it. It would involve oh, destroying yes. the mask or something, yeah. but you, you never see it again. Yeah, right. So, what, another thing I don't understand about the film is where did they put the front door? If they went, if they got into the <laughs> cinema, surely they would go the same way out. Or did it did it become the that, wall? That, I think it is became that what the wall. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the the, the, the cinema was was a entity that could change. Yes. Is that what? Oh, yeah. I so get at one it point now. you get somebody shouting, "It's the movie! Stop the movie!" in in pretty much the same sort of uh, tone of voice of "Think of the Children" from The <laughs> Simpsons, yeah. and and then later on, Werner, the the blind guy, says, "It's the theater." Yeah. So um, okay, okay, okay. Um, they could, could be anything. They totally could have gone further with that and had like mm. all sorts of things changing, like doors appearing, re- like disappearing. They could have had rooms appear. Oh, it could have been really cool. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen when they broke through the wall, but now they just patted on a brick wall and went back for a cigarette. <laughs> oh, well. Strange. So we're back and uh, it's time for the final verdict. Yes. So you nominated this film. You pulled it out of there. You tell me why you think it should be saved or maybe after watching it with fresh eyes, you think actually, oh, let's just throw this thing back in there. <laughs> uh, I think it should be saved, um, but purely on uh, how fun the movie is and the special effects. And also, yeah, the cinematography as well. But is that enough to save this film, do you think? You see, I thought to myself, wow, this is... uh, Okay, episode two, this is going to be maybe the first time we have a disagreement. So I I think no. I have to say, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I mean, the fact that it has no, no characterization, no plot, no point to it thematically i mean it's just weird that you have this this whole thing with there's a movie within a movie but it's not used for irony it's not like the movie's crap isn't that funny but this is real life and we're commenting on it in some way it's just that both films are crap (laughs) so the acting's terrible the special effects are great but yeah i just is it enough is it sort of enough that it's just like freewheeling entertainment and 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 fun to watch and i had to say i i didn't i didn't think so i was kind of bored oh right i was i was the opposite i i was just always entertained by both the sheer shitness of it and also (laughs) the 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 joy of the the gore and 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 the special effects um yeah see i didn't think it fell into the so bad it's good territory because it wasn't bad like you say technically it was you know the effects the mm. the uh cinematography visually what it was trying to do you know it was it was proficient despite mm. being on a tight budget i thought it was well done but mm-hmm. um but well but only in those two categories and the rest of it just didn't didn't add up to much yeah so i know it was a huge hit in italy it was i think it's roundly panned everywhere else and, mm. and isn't really well known, I wouldn't say. No. I mean, uh, out of yeah. the pantheon of if Italian 80s horror, I think Argento is certainly known more mm. 
Yeah, and same with um, Lucio Fulci as well. I think yeah. they they are definitely a lot more, and they have a lot more in their career that do stand up and and mm. are quite revered. Um, yeah. So what do we do? Well, I don't know. I I'm voting. We throw it in. <laughs> okay. We throw it back because does it deserve to be remembered and watched loads, loads of time? Do we think our our listeners should go out seek out this movie and watch it? And I, would, I do. I would think, say. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I think in good conscience, I think there are better movies out there. I don't <laughs> think this one's a classic. Um, I mean, I, I'm also inclined, like, there are a lot of things that I do agree with you on it. It's, it's not something I would recommend to everyone, um, mm. even people that watch these kind of movies. But, yeah, okay. So I think we should agree to, to chuck it back in. I think we should. I think, and... Uh, Seeing as you pulled it out there, I think you should be the man for the job. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just gonna grab it just a second. Come here. All right. Opening the oblique now. Watch out for Troll 2. All right, get in there. Close the oblique. Ah. Okay. Marvelous. So for uh, for the next episode, uh, it's your choice, Conrad. So, what have you? What are we going to drag out of the oubliette? Okay, so next time around, I think we're going to make a little bit of a genre shift into science fiction with the uh, legendary Saturn Three, which stars Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett and Harvey Keitel. Sounds great, doesn't it? Wow! It's actually, what a star-studded cast. Indeed, and a killer robot. It can't be anything but great. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It, sound, it sounds like a, like an Oscar-winning kind of movie. It really does, doesn't it? But strangely, not not remembered. So let's let's give it a whirl and see what you think of it. So that concludes uh, the second episode of Movie Oubliette. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And we'd be thrilled if you followed us on our social media outlets. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And we are there as Movie Oubliette. And if you can't spell Oubliette... Sorry, I missed that. What was that again? Yes, uh, so that's how you can find us. We'd love to hear from you about what films you think we should do, what you thought of the movie that we looked at this week, and um, any of your thoughts. And do give us a star rating and a review on iTunes or your favourite uh, podcast platform. It really helps us out. All right, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Yet. That's my husband. <laughs>